Welcome to Sacred Exploration with Lisa Tremont Oda. Are you making the most of your experience as a spiritual being in physical form? Do you want to live with greater levels of peace and integrity? Today, Lisa and her guests will help you discover, uncover, and recover what's missing in yourself. Now, here's your host, Lisa Tremont Oda. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to Sacred Exploration. I'm your host, Lisa Tremont Ota. And today we will be exploring the sacred in food. Of course, one of my favorite subjects. We have with us my friend and colleague, Andrea Lieberston. Welcome, Andrea. Thank you, Lisa. I'm happy to be here. Oh, well, it's wonderful to have you. Uh, Andrea is the best-selling author of the book, Well-Nourished, Mindful Practices to Heal Your Relationship to Food, Feed Your Whole Self, and End Overeating, of which will be the topic that we explore today. She is a mindfulness and mindful eating expert, speaker, registered dietitian nutritionist, and meditation teacher. She leads well-nourished trainings and retreats internationally, coaching and training professionals and the general public. In her private practice, Andrea works with individuals to have more peace, balance, and joy in their relationship with food. She spearheaded mind-body programs at Kaiser Permanente Northern California centers for many years and is also a contributing author to Resources for Teaching Mindfulness, an international handbook, and to the Relaxation and Stress Reduction Workbook. She has degrees from Stanford University and UC Berkeley. Wow, impressive, my friend. (laughs) Well, so Andrea, yes, go ahead. I was going to say, and of course, you and I met at UC Berkeley many, many years ago. We did indeed. Yeah, we, our, our lives have actually overlapped at various points in, in very different ways. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> it's really exciting to have you here today on the show. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy about that. Yeah, so diving in, um, your book is really beautiful, um, and we'll tell everyone how they can get a copy for themselves, but it's, again, it's called uh, Well-Nourished. Mindful Practices to Heal Your Relationship to Food, Feed Your Whole Self, and End Overeating. And not only is it chock full of uh, inspiration, but it's, it's, a, it's like a how-to. There's, there's places to journal, uh, places to record your, your feelings about, about food and, and the eating process. And I just think you really did a great job with, with the book, Andrea. Mm, thank you. So why don't yeah. you... Tell us a little bit about what is your approach in the well-nourished way of eating. Sure. So well-nourished grew out of my work over some years with actually my my work in mindfulness, teaching mindfulness, mindfulness coaching, my nutrition coaching, my mindful eating work, um, and just working with, with clients over the years it became clear that the question, we really look at in this book, that question of what are you truly hungry for? Mm-hmm. And what are you bringing to the table? Because these, these questions, these inquiries really inform our eating experience. So I, in my work, I moved as a dietitian. I'm very much a mind-body dietitian, a mindfulness-based dietitian, working much with much more than just food. <laughs> and mm-hmm. because what we're bringing to food is much more complex than that. 
right? We're, we're bringing our histories, our thoughts, our beliefs, um, our ability to, uh, our nutrition knowledge, our ability to, to be present and actually really enjoy the food or not, our judgments. And I tend to work with people uh, who are struggling with having that peaceful, healthy relationship to food and navigating all that information that we get about how we're supposed to eat this way or that way. And, and so this book sets forward a, a way of, of eating and living. Again, is just beyond food, but that bigger question of what am I truly hungry for? So it's a book actually about nourishing our whole lives. How do we be nourished in all the areas of our life? And in, in doing so, having that support to make healthy choices for ourselves uh, with food and how we eat and, uh, and in all the other areas of our life. So it covers quite a bit in this. It's mm-hmm. fairly compact, very rich. It is workbook style, as you said, and it guides the reader through introduction to mindfulness, to mindful eating, how do we stay present with our experience of food, actually learning how to enjoy our food more, make more discerning choices, listen to our bodies, and and how to, as I mentioned earlier, have that peaceful relationship so we're not caught in judgment. So I, I know that uh, you might have experienced this with, you know, with some of your clients, but we tend to bring so much chatter, and sometimes it's just subtle, to our eating, to our food choices. Especially, I do work a lot with people with disordered eating, mm-hmm. eating disorders, and so there, there is more, but everybody has some of these judgments and this background or this wondering or... Um, what we call sometimes that I've blown it effect, I shouldn't have had that, mm-hmm. and then eating way more. So we kind of unwind and work with all of those beliefs. And, yeah, just just coming back to basic learning how to enjoy food for its own sake. Right. Well, you have that quote at the beginning of your book. It says, when our mind, body, and spirit are fully nourished, we can enjoy and savor food for its own sake. We no longer need to rely on food to substitute for other sources of nourishment. (laughs) You know, it's so simple and it seems so obvious. And yet it gets lost amongst advertising and pressure to have a particular body type and all kinds of, uh, you know, influences. And I really couldn't agree with you more. I, you know, it is interesting, our parallels, parallel journeys in nutrition with the sacred. Um, because I've always felt that food was a metaphor for just about anything else in life. Somehow I can equate our eating habits and our relationship to food, a term that we both really enjoy using, um, to, to just about anything. And I think that's what you're suggesting in your book, too, is that um, if someone has disorder eating, what we need to do is look at how else in our lives are we disordered? Is that right? That, that's part of it, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and how are, we, um, how are we nourishing ourselves? 
mm-hmm. in other realms of our lives and what tools and what resources do we have. So a lot of, a lot of people use food for stress relief as a way, um, or to just, to not feel, right? Some, there can be many feelings, emotions that are quite uncomfortable. So mm-hmm. we have many people that are, are having emotional and stress-related eating. But so looking at all these other areas of our lives, which may be unnourished, <laughs> mm-hmm. but learn, looking at them and assessing them and seeing what are the missing ingredients that we need and what tools to be more nourished, to have more resources, to have more tools, to have to be fuller, not with food, but just fuller in general, um, and then being able to, again, to allow food to just be what what it is. It's there to nourish us, right? right. Physically, and, physically, and yeah. emotionally, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Food can be very nourishing on all those levels. So what are some of the first steps that you have people go through? Is it to keep a, a journal of how they eat? Um, how do you begin? Yes. Yeah, so keeping a, a food record is very helpful for a few days. And just doing that brings a lot of awareness of what, of, of just to the person keeping it. It's really mm-hmm. almost more for, you know, for the person keeping it than me, although I, there's certainly a lot of feedback that I can give that is helpful. But a lot of people start to realize different eating patterns, meals they're skipping, why they're eating. Um, so, yeah, so food record is helpful. But one of the first things that I do is to teach people how to quiet the mind through mindfulness practice because that is going to really help with bringing awareness to our eating, to our bodies, to tuning in to what we really need, Mm -hmm. to our hunger, to our fullness. So mindfulness meditation is one of the first things that, that we work on, that ability to quiet the mind, and we start with focusing on the breath and the body. And being able to recognize, and this is pretty big for people that have never done any meditation or done any reading, you know, about it. Sure, uh, sure. of your listeners have explored this, but realizing that, that the mind, thoughts, feelings, experiences are all impermanent. It's so easy to get very attached, right, to our current worry or thought or judgment of the day, of the moment, or get really lost in our emotions. So, and then eat out of them. You know, many people will eat out of them. So, being able to bring this greater awareness, cultivate this greater awareness, that's always there. We're really connecting with it by quieting the mind polishing the lens of our awareness to talk about, you know, in the book. And then so, so as people... Meditation, 
Beginning Mm -hmm. that practice could be as simple as 10 minutes a day or whatever works, whatever amount works for the client. Because if you set a lofty goal that you can't, you know you can't do, it's just not going to work. Nobody's going to be successful. So it's just 10 minutes, three days a week to begin with. That's Mm -hmm. fine. But working on setting a time to start to to tune in, to learn skills, to quiet the mind, to be able to see more clearly, to connect to mindfulness in the moment, because that's a lot of this work. We have hundreds of food choices that we make per day. Oh, yeah. I always talk about the how I remember seeing going into the grocery store and seeing people like literally paralyzed in the in the aisle of the cereals, you know, the cereal aisle, rather, just trying to make a choice of what kind of cereal to buy because there's hundreds of choices. You know, how did it get so complicated? <laughs> I know. And and just at many times, not even just in the grocery store. Yeah, it could be at work. It could be walking by the staff room, seeing the donuts. The snacks on the table, walking by the deli, and uh, the smells blowing out of the, the the sticky bun shops in the malls, you know, all over. Right. But there is research that shows that we make over 200 food choices a day, and often many of these we are not even bringing to awareness. We're just kind of going by habit or on automatic, just responding to our environment, so there's a lot of mindless eating that goes on. So beginning to cultivate mindfulness, present-oriented attention, non-judging, kind attention, kind awareness helps us to start to navigate better. And so you're, you're having, having them learn how to do mindfulness in general and then bringing that down to the actual food choice, and eating experience as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it makes a lot of sense. It, you know, it brings up so many images. I also think a lot about when people are at amusement parks, and there's there's no attention paid to how hungry they are or not, but they want the snow cone and the hot dog and the funnel cake and the fried Oreo cookie, <laughs> you know, I I mean, because everything is such a novelty and it's like, oh, we're at the amusement park. We want to enjoy all these different flavors and experiences. And it's not really necessary. But training the mind to wake up to that fact is is really challenging. So, you know, I really commend you for taking that on because it really is foundational for the way we eat. Yes, yes. And there's a wonderful practice that we can bring to the moment. It is. It is mindfulness, but it's it's checking in. It's a whole way of checking in. And this practice is in my book. It's called the Mindful Check-In, uh, where we, we quiet the mind in the moment. We can do this with our eyes open. So we don't have to be meditating in the middle of the, your example of the fair. <laughs> the fair <laughs> but we can just check in, maybe just put our eyes down, for a moment, kind of downcast softly just to shut out all the external stimulation and then take a few breaths and check in. What, and I mentioned this several times, what am I bringing to the table? And with mindfulness practice, we get 
gets easier and easier to check in and notice what you're bringing. Are you really hungry? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or is it is it just simply seeing that food that is stimulating that desire? Do you really want it? Do you really enjoy it at this moment? And you might notice that you're full, <laughs> but you're at the fair. You want to have you you want to have a good time, and you want to try these foods that you don't usually have over the years. So you know you might mindfully decide. And this is just an example of the variety of choices you might make after tuning in. Right? Right. So and might, I like to I'm remind not, I'm not hungry. I'm not gonna have any. Or or this is special and I'm here and I want to try that. Oh and I want to try that too. But I don't have to eat it all. I that's can right. taste it. I can that's enjoy right. it, taste it without guilt. I, what a concept. What a concept. (laughs) Well, you know, we're going to be going to break right here. So I'm going to have you hold that thought. And uh, when we get back, we'll continue our conversation with registered dietitian nutritionist Andrea Lieberston speaking to us of mindful eating. I'm your host, Lisa Tremont Ota, and you're listening to Sacred Exploration. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. We have relationships with people in our lives, but arguably our relationship with food is the most intimate, dynamic, and enduring of them all. You can nourish your relationship with food and the planet. Purchase your copy of The Sacred Art of Eating, Healing Our Relationship with Food, written by Lisa Tremont Oda. A registered dietitian, nutritionist, and shamanic soul coach, Lisa can help you heal your relationship with food. The Sacred Art of Eating is available on Amazon.com, SacredExploration.com, and ImperfectlyVegan.com. Do you remember your dreams? Not exploring your dream life is like receiving a gift but not opening it. Join Lisa Tremonota and Lisa Ferrer this April for an interactive workshop series that will help make your goals and dreams become results in your business and personal life. To register or to find out more, call 925-497-2529 or email sacredexploration at gmail.com. Space is limited in this highly interactive workshop series. So call today and learn how you can make your dreams come true. That's 925-497-2529 or email sacredexploration at gmail.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Sacred Exploration. To reach Lisa or her guest today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to sacredexploration at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. 
I'm Lisa Tremont Ota, and you're listening to Sacred Exploration. And today we're exploring mindful eating with registered dietitian nutritionist Andrea Lieberstein. And um, before we went to break, we were speaking about just all the opportunity to eat uh, just a multitude of different foods, usually not very healthy ones, at, at an amusement park. And, you know, one of the things that I like to remind people about, too, which I think they forget, is that those foods aren't going away. You know, sometimes there's this feeling like, oh, I have to eat everything in front of me because I might not get this opportunity again. But guess what? You know, if you really want a snow cone another time, you can't have one. (laughs) Or if you really want popcorn or caramel corn or, you know, a funnel cake, there will be other opportunities to have those foods again. And, um, you know, it's just, uh, but I, but I think that your mindfulness of, of just calming the mind and helping people to remember where they are and what the real goal of being there is, and to tune into their bodies and ask whether or not they're hungry is, is really key. And um, again, I just appreciate what you're putting out there for people. Yeah, thank you. And you know, we we do hear this, so this might not sound completely new to some of our listeners. But what I love, too, about, uh, well, actually, I've found people have come to me that have practiced mindfulness for years and are still struggling with food. So what's so wonderful is with mindful eating practice, there are specific practices oriented around awareness of, of our bodies, of our hunger, of our fullness, of taste that, that help, na- help us navigate, to really tune in and navigate our eating in a way that can be truly satisfying and nourishing in a way that feels we feel in control. Not when I say in control, not like oh, I'm in control, but just just relaxed, balanced, healthy relationship. You know. To, can you, what, can you to say more about that? What you mean by navigating? What would that? What does that look like? What does navigating look like? That's a, a good question. Navigating will look different depending upon the moment that, that you know, what someone is, is bringing to their eating, what their internal experience is. So, gosh, it, it encompasses so much. So in my book, I'm just going to mention there are seven, seven tips to mindful eating. And so one of those is becoming present through a mindful check-in. And then checking in to our hunger, to our fullness, seeing what what we really what we really need, what we feel like in that moment too. And so navigating, those are just some of them. Navigating is checking in to these different awarenesses and then making choices based on maybe the emotions that you're bringing, your hunger levels, your fullness levels. Uh, pausing. Because really doesn't it take about twenty minutes until our brain gets the signal that we're full? And so many people can can consume thousands of calories in ten minutes, and that's you know, without even giving the body a chance to even get the signal to the brain that it's full. Is that is that correct? You yeah, you that, that? Yeah. is that is what we pretty much have all grown up with. Yeah, we won't know till we're full, till after twenty minutes. And so many people, of course, will eat faster on the go, not even eating that long. But the good news is there are actually other ways to tune in and know if you're satisfied. 
so we we teach a taste awareness and what's really interesting is so we we have something called sensory specific satiety all of our senses at get overloaded at some point like you know you go to a rock concert you're exposed to loud noise and you're you can't hear very well after mm-hmm. that's an extreme example of senses getting saturated or maybe mm-hmm. you have you put on a shirt and it's a little bit rough or uncomfortable or scratchy, but then you don't notice it after a while. So your mm-hmm. senses have become saturated. So with our taste, our taste mm-hmm. buds can get uh, in satiety fairly quickly, and particularly with the high, what we call the highly palatable foods, the foods that are the processed foods. They're refined mm. foods, the foods that, that food companies spend a lot of time working on, just the mm-hmm. right amount of salt or sugar or, other, or fat or other ingredients to make them uh, irresistible and vindictive, <laughs> wanting to keep eating. But what's really interesting is when we tune into the taste, of, especially with these kinds of foods, that often it goes down fairly quickly which is helpful, really helpful as a way to eat more or to enjoy more of these foods, but actually eat less if we pay attention to that taste no longer. So maybe we're having that cotton candy, going back to your amusement park example, and those first few bites, you just really love the taste, the sweetness, the the kind of cottony Mm-hmm. <laughs> I haven't had candy in years and years. I know. It it just sounds, no, actually, I to me, it just sounds too sweet already. I'm imagining that first bite. It's like, woo! Yeah. But but <laughs> let's proceed with the example. Pointed. Oh, look at this. It's so interesting. We're both talking. We're talking about sugar. And the, and this happens with chocolate a lot. When I bring chocolate in the room, <laughs> the energy goes up. And we're all, everybody starts talking. Right. So you're remembering that delicious bite of cotton candy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was always disappointed that it melted so quickly. <laughs> and then <laughs> you need texture. to take another bite, right? Right. But right. so if you're paying attention, you might find that, wow, after a few bites, it doesn't taste as good anymore. And in fact, not even that satisfying. So, and sometimes it might go up again, the taste. So, but it just gives you freedom to make a choice based on taste and actually pleasure. Well, that's a really good uh, example and opportunity for people to share something. Like, you know, using the amusement park example, uh, if if one person wanted cotton candy and another person wanted the caramel corn, like, you could share it so that if, you know, there's a group of five of you and everyone can have a little bit of one of them and, and not saturate themselves too much by eating the whole entire ball of cotton candy. I don't know. Or, or when people go out to restaurants and, you know, they might get a dessert to share. Having a couple bites, mm-hmm. three bites might just be perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sharing is, is a great example of how we can, we can enjoy some of these foods. So within the mindful eating philosophy, we don't have, in approach, we don't have good foods and bad foods. Mm-hmm, we start exactly. to take away some of that charge, but how can we learn to eat these foods that are going to be there? I like to call them actually sometimes foods. 
Mm-hmm. The processed foods, uh, foods with sugar in them, but sometimes foods. And if you want to still include them in your diet, which most people want to at least be I mean, realistically be able to still have them sometimes and enjoy them, how can we eat them mindfully? How can we in- include them without beating ourselves up, feeling like we shouldn't be doing this, feeling ashamed or guilty. And some people even eat more later because, or continue to eat the box of cookies or the carton, uh, feeling like, ah, I've kind of blown it. I've blown my diet. I've blown my plan. I may as well eat this anyway. But if we can bring this more flexible attitude, and even like what I talk a lot about is, when we learn, we begin to learn the mindful eating process and start in this mindfulness journey, putting on our explorer hats, putting on our, our, our glasses and our, our scientist glasses, not that all scientists wear glasses, but and <laughs> just having fun with this whole new way of, of relating to food and, and learning new skills to tune into and in our bodies, but being curious. And, and not judging. So, yeah, you mentioned sharing is a great way to enjoy food but not feel like you have to eat the whole thing and, and end up feeling kind of, uh, or the judging well, that, mind getting active. <laughs> right. I mean, I, you know, I think for me, because I used to have disordered eating, probably all of us nutritionists did at one point in time, but... Um, you know, for me, part of it was recognizing that, or, or that it came down to what I wanted most. And again, I feel like this parallels a lot of things in life, not just in regard to food. And so it might be like, do I want more to finish that half pan, pan of brownies after I broke up with a boyfriend at night, or just because they taste good? Then I want to wake up in the morning feeling like I'm up behind the eight ball and have to, you know, skip a meal or two to to feel good again. Um, there came a time when I recognized that what I wanted most was to just feel good and to not feel like I was behind the eight ball. And um, somehow that ended up sticking. And as I've looked over the decades since, I've felt that that has come up in different areas of life as well, just really honing in on what do we want most. And, you know, so it could be like if you think about an alcoholic, what do they want most? Do they want more to have that drink or do they want more to have, uh, you know, a lifestyle where they can hold down a job or keep the relationship that's important to them or keep their health, you know? Does that play in anywhere? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Does that, what? What was your question? Does that play in anywhere to, to your oh, thought? Yeah, absolutely. So important what you're saying. Um, th- so in my book, there's five steps to mindful eating and living. The first one is awareness, bringing awareness to our patterns, to our lives, to our habits, to our thoughts, to different, eight different areas of our lives that I'll, I'll talk about in a little bit. But the second step is intention which you're talking about here, and so powerful to get in touch with what do I really want? What do I really want overall in, in my life? And, and then in this book, we break it down into also these eight other areas of life. But I found that simple intention, just I want to feel good. 
can be very powerful. I worked with a client recently where that was actually her intention. She just wanted to feel good. Mm -hmm. And as part of this intention setting process, we also set, connect our intentions to our values, like what's important to us. So for her, if she was to list that out as, I just want to feel good so that I can live my life fully, be fully available to my family, to contribute to the work that I love, to this, this nonprofit that I'm, that I'm involved in, that I'm spearheading. Whatever it is, we can connect our intentions which, again, might be simple, as simple as I want to feel good, and then even connecting them to other values, other things that are important to us, makes them even stronger, more powerful. And we can come back to these. I talk about intentions as, as arrows or, or signposts guiding us towards you know, keeping on track, towards making that healthy, self-caring choice in the moment. So maybe not eating that that pan of brownies. But what And once what people get past be? that, it seems okay. Like once you you know, you resist going to the buffet a second time or you resist having a slice of cake after dinner. There's a certain period of time that passes when it's like, yeah, that's fine and I'm okay now and I don't even want that anymore. Yeah? Yes. Yes. I almost prefer to not think of it as resist because mm-hmm. then it almost sounds, you know, we've got this dieting language, dieting culture is so pervasive mm-hmm. and there's almost like a judgment. But, but yes, I know what you mean, but just really that, that checking in and do I want that? I'm not so sure. I like to think of it as there's something that we talk about called surfing the urge or being present to, to cravings. Now, we don't all have really strong cravings for food. Some people might have, uh, you know, really, truly, <laughs> some people have cravings for vegetables. <laughs> I know. Some I do. do. Some do. Yes. yes yeah. Yes. But more like being able to just be present to that, to that wave of desire, that urge that arises, be present to it mindfully. It will always rise like a wave and then it will subside. It will go down just like a wave cresting and cresting, cresting, and then, yeah, subsiding. So that's that, a beautiful way of putting it. Talking about that resisting, that at first there might be kind of a little bit of a stronger feeling of, oh, I want that. You just sit with it a little bit, kindly, not fighting, but just noticing, okay, mm-hmm. do I really want that? Do I really need that? And yes, it can, it can subside. And there's a practice that I do, a, a very powerful practice working on craving, where we... We practice being present to this feeling, and and mindfulness does give us these skills to be able to be more present, more of a stable attention to to discomfort, to what's arising, and to be able to serve more elegantly these these challenging feelings that can come and go. 
Yeah, that's really beautiful um, the way you phrased yeah, that with the with the wave. Yeah, yeah, it is a nice image. And sometimes it's really just a sense of comfort, caring, love that we might want you know, in that moment. So a lot of this work, too, is self-compassion. Mm-hmm. Self-compassion practice learning how to bring kindness and love to our experience you know, in this moment. And I have my hand over my heart right now as I'm speaking, because this is part of the practice, just bringing, bringing a caring touch. We do it unconsciously often, but it actually can be a true practice of bringing the hand to the heart. To the heart, yeah, hand to the heart. And... There's been research on this. There's a whole body of mindful self-compassion research that Kristen Neff has done and taking a lot of really beautiful practices in mindfulness and other self-caring and kind practices and then studying them and seeing what shifts happen. And what we find is that when people become more caring and kind to themselves, they actually want to make those healthier choices. Well, that is a better care of themselves. Yes, indeed. Compassion. I'd like to come back to that when we return from break. Compassion. Um, So we will be going to break now. Thank you. We are speaking with Andrea Liebertsen, a mindfulness expert, and we're speaking about mindful eating. We'll be right back. I'm your host, Lisa Tremont Ota, and you're listening to Sacred Exploration. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. We have relationships with people in our lives, but arguably our relationship with food is the most intimate, dynamic, and enduring of them all. You can nourish your relationship with food and the planet. Purchase your copy of The Sacred Art of Eating, Healing Our Relationship with Food, written by Lisa Tremont Oda. A registered dietitian, nutritionist, and shamanic soul coach, Lisa can help you heal your relationship with food. The Sacred Art of Eating is available on Amazon.com, SacredExploration.com, and ImperfectlyVegan.com. Do you remember your dreams? Not exploring your dream life is like receiving a gift but not opening it. Join Lisa Tremonota and Lisa Ferrer this April for an interactive workshop series that will help make your goals and dreams become results in your business and personal life. To register or to find out more, call 925-497-2529 or email sacredexploration at gmail.com. Space is limited in this highly interactive workshop series. So call today and learn how you can make your dreams come true. That's 925-497-2529 or email sacredexploration at gmail.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. 
You are listening to Sacred Exploration. To reach Lisa or her guest today, please call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to sacredexploration at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. You're listening to Sacred Exploration. I'm your host, Lisa Tremont Ota, and today we are talking with Andrea Lieberstein, author of the best-selling book, Well-Nourished, Mindful Practices to Heal Your Relationship with Food, Feed Your Whole Self, and End Overeating. And before we went to break, Andrea was speaking about the importance of compassion. And Andrea, that is really um, the, a central piece in my book as well, The Sacred Art of Eating. I speak mm-hmm. to it from the standpoint that... Um, you know, as you know, we're, I'm very plant-based focused and, and I'm a big proponent of an imperfectly vegan approach to eating. Um, mm-hmm. And part of that is to recognize that if we held compassion for the animals or even for the earth itself in terms of climate um, and even in terms of others who, who hunger because they don't have enough to eat, that compassion could serve as motivation for us to eat more healthy ourselves that it's not just that we're eating for ourselves but that we're actually eating for others at the same time Mm -hmm. yeah that all came to me through a vision one day when I was pregnant and with my first child and and I had a vision of being pregnant with the earth and then it just all connected with me uh that we are we really are what we eat uh it, it literally goes back into the earth and we're connected by this cosmological umbilical cord that nourishes and removes waste. And, um, you know, like pregnant women, women, pregnant women eat better during pregnancy than at any other time in their life. And that's because they're eating for this child that they've never laid eyes on before. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So to hear you speak about compassion uh, for ourselves, it just brings home again just how important that piece is when it comes to nourishing ourselves. Yes, yes. So part of mindful eating is so bringing awareness to that food that we're about to eat, just taking a moment and contemplating, reflecting upon where it came from. How did it get to us? And People do begin to change, begin to shift their eating habits as they naturally become more aware and and contemplate and think about before eating. It doesn't mean every single meal, as with, you know, any practice, it doesn't mean we do it all the time, (laughs) but we start to bring awareness to where this food came from, how it was made, is this healthy for the for my body? Is this healthy for the earth? And so, absolutely, I know when we were speaking earlier, you were asking if this could, perhaps mindful eating might be a tool to shift to eating healthier or to a more plant-based diet. And right. potentially, if people tune into the, also how the food, how do they feel in their bodies during eating, after eating particular foods, Half an hour later, an hour later, how do these foods, do they energize you? Do you feel weighed down? How about mood, mind, 
And you can bet that our choices that are better for the earth are going to feel better for our bodies as well. Indeed. You know, I've never done it before, but I'd be really curious to try some sort of mindful eating practice with me. You know, typically we do it with something like a carrot or a strawberry. You look at the strawberry and you notice its colors and you touch it and feel its texture and you smell it and then you can bite into it and hear it crunch and then you taste it and you've got all these explosion of these five senses that are being nourished and, and, and thinking about the, the how that stra- strawberry, you know, was a seed and grew into a, a, a vine and produced this beautiful fruit. But what if we did take people through a mindful practice of eating meat um, and really considering what had to happen in order for that meat to reach their plate? And then kind of the chewing on the meat. I don't know if it's, I, I, maybe it's just me that doesn't find chew, gnawing on meat to be all that satisfying if you really mindfully focus in on it. Um, uh, I don't know. I'm just curious. I, I, I think it would be an interesting experiment at some point in time to, well, to get that a whirl. Should, I, I, I think you should try it. Yeah, I yeah. think I will. That yeah, and you're interesting to see what your experience is and maybe others. I haven't worked with that because I, I haven't eaten meat in many, many, many years. Mm-hmm. Over 35 years. Yeah. Wow. Well, you know, uh, I did want to ask you since I do like to speak of the imperfectly vegan name, um, it's an invitation for people. Like you said earlier in the show, that, that meditating even for 15 minutes a week is a good start, that you didn't want to have people feel pressure to do too much because then they might not do it at all. It'd be, it'd be too much pressure. Well, this, the same goes with this imperfectly vegan, that if people don't feel like they have to be absolutist, perfect vegan, if they give themselves some leeway to be imperfectly, then they're going to be more likely to at least move in that direction. Um, so what are your thoughts about uh, it being imperfectly vegan? Just <laughs> Well, I think, I think it's perfect. <laughs> so uh, uh, that's 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 important because just like you know I'll often say mindful eating is not another diet because it's easy just to latch on to something and because of the dieting mentality and dieting culture you've got to follow this exact way or you you fall and there's so many expressions in our our language of where we've fallen off the wagon or we've you know, all kinds of ways where we judge judge ourselves for not following, I guess that's maybe more with alcohol, but it could be anything. Um, so we want to take away the judgment. So mindful eating is not just, okay, now I'm doing the mindful eating diet. It's a whole new way of, of eating and relating to food and finding your relationship to the nutrition knowledge that's out there, what works for you and your body. So imperfectly vegan, yeah, I think it takes the pressure off, the judgments, that dieting mentality to have to be just this way. Because you know what? There may be plenty of people that think that vegan is the right thing for them because it is another, it is another diet. It's healthy, but it's healthy if it's done carefully because mm-hmm. there are nutrients that can, can be low on. So giving oneself, giving oneself leeway and bringing a levity to it is nice. So I, I like that. 
Oh, good. Yeah, practice, practice. You know, when I think about it, with us both being registered dietitian, nutritionists, you know, really our training as undergraduates was on uh, the nutrition content, I would say, of food and how food interacts in the body and what are healthful foods and not healthful foods. But then both of us then went to get our master's degree in public health nutrition. And, and that's a whole different ballgame. That's when we're starting to talk about what are these behaviors that we've developed around food and, and, and cultural influences and societal influences and how can we really help people to cre- create a healthier relationship with food? It's not easy. <laughs> you know, that's what I think what we're doing here is we're really going into the depths of exploring like what goes on in the psyche uh, and, and, and the whole being of a person, what makes it the wholeness of a person um, that influences the way they eat and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. So I think it's really, you know, um, mindful eating is becoming more and more popular as a, as a way to empower the individual to tune into themselves, learn skills to tune in and navigate, here's that word again, but navigate the nutrition information that's out there and through putting on that explorer's hat and and tuning in, seeing what really works for their body. What really works. So it might be being, as you say, imperfectly vegan, and it's okay. (laughs) Right. Um, uh, So it, it might be... So for each person, it could look a little different. We have, we, we bring our tastes, our preferences, and our genetics can determine how we digest food, metabolize food. We may have health needs. So seeing what really works. And, and we do certainly know that, that plant-based diets, moving more towards whole foods, plant-based diets, is healthier through all the research. Mm-hmm. And some people may do better with including and continuing to include animal products and meat. So there's no judgment here, but it's just really helping people become aware of the nutrition information and then tuning in and seeing what feels good. You mentioned that mm-hmm. intention earlier of, yeah, feeling good, healthy, What and why? What are your values? What, what would be a motivating intention? Well, speaking right, and I would imagine many of your clients, their motivation is to lose weight. Have you? Do you find that when people adopt the mindfulness approach, that they tend to lose weight? It, they may or may not lose weight. They may um, usually yes, because when you start to eat mindfully, that that is often going to happen. But what I do, I really do focus on on relationships. Mm-hmm. And particularly lately, a lot working with the judging mind because that is is really the thing that keeps us from having peace and can lead us to overeating more, which can lead to weight gain. So the the program that I was originally trained in, and the eat was developed to look at weight loss and mindful eating. And mm-hmm. what they did, find, the first studies were done on binge eaters, and they found that people with binge eating, that there was a significant drop in the amount of binge eating that happened. 
Yeah, that's so, what I would imagine. Is that, you know that yeah. a lot of people might come to this for that reason because there are there are a lot of people out there looking for that goal. You know, Andrea, I'm so sorry. We're we are getting close to our finish time. <clears throat> There's so much more we could have talked talked about, but thank goodness you have your book available. Can you tell our listeners how they might find your book and and anything else you'd like to close with? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So you can find my book on Amazon or any online retailers or in your local bookstore. And um, you can contact me. My website is yourwellnourishedlife.com. And there you can learn about the eight bodies of nourishment that we didn't talk about today, but things such as our creative bodies, emotional, psychological, spiritual, our, our worldly bodies, our passion, our contribution, the world. So anyway, um, you can learn more about that. And if you um, mention, if you come to my website and you're interested in doing a coaching program with me, if you mention Sacred Explorations, I will give you a 10% discount on that, um, oh. possibly more depending on the time of year. And you can also get a free chapter of my book first chapter, which is a nice framework of the whole philosophy and approach to the book. Beautiful. Thank you so much for that kind offer. Well, you know, just listening to your voice is so soothing. I feel like I'm going through a mindfulness experience just (laughs) listening to you. Um, It's really been a, a great pleasure to have you on the show. And again, I think that what you're doing is just so important. Uh, in terms of helping everyone to heal their relationship with food. And um, so keep doing what you're doing, girlfriend. Thank you, Lisa, so much, and your work as well. It's been lovely to see how our work has, you said, kind of woven in and out and, uh, yeah, just developed along similar lines. Thank you for having me here today. No, my pleasure. Well, everyone, I do hope that you'll pick up Andrea's book. I have it. It's beautiful. It's 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 an experience in and of itself. And um, we will look forward to being here next week again. And I'm going to be speaking with an astrologist who's going to give some forecasts about our po- political future and all kinds of things. Very exciting. So until then, blessings as you go. My name is Lisa Tremont Ota, and you are listening to Sacred Exploration. Thank you so much for tuning in today for Sacred Exploration with Lisa Tremont Ota. Be sure to listen to our program again next Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time and 5 p.m. Pacific Time or anytime on demand on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Enjoy your week. <laughs>